Hi, Larry. Do we have you? I have you. Oh. Have me. Oh, good. Thanks for joining us. Guitarist Larry Coriel was at the forefront of the jazz, rock, and fusion movement in the 1960s and 70s, having recorded over 100 albums, performed or recorded with other notable musicians from Gary Burton and Miles Davis to Jimi Hendrix and Eric Clapton. Larry Coriel is one of the most diverse musicians of our time. And I'm pleased to have Larry Coriel on the phone. Larry, welcome to the Test of Time. The Test of Time? What an honor to be on the Test of Time. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. Uh, I, in uh, getting ready for our interview, I uh, discovered that we have something in common, having been born in Texas. How much... Uh, Get gr- out of here! <laughs> yeah, Houston, just down the road from you. I love Houston. Yeah. I um, remember as a little boy driving up to Houston from Galveston every couple of days, seeing those big buildings. I just loved it. Yeah, we used to make the uh, the weekend trips down to the beach in Galveston. Cool. Yeah. How much growing up did yeah. you do there? I left there when I was seven. But, you know, there's a saying, you can take the boy out of Texas. You cannot take the Texas out of the boy. Oh, that is for sure. <laughs> there's a lot of pride in Texas, for sure. Oh, yeah. And I love when they invite me to Houston, or maybe Austin or San Antonio. I love performing there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's great. Great location. Um, when you, before you moved, let's see, you moved to Washington after that. Um, what kind of music were you listening to during your teens? Well, early teens, country and western. Late teens, more rock and roll, and some jazz. I actually had really no idea of what jazz was until I got to college. Mm-hmm. I was I was more interested in hearing any kind of really good guitar playing. That that would that would um, capture my attention. If somebody was playing the guitar well, that was good. I like people like Chad Atkins or. Chuck Berry, if they're, you know, that's what I was attracted to. Mm-hmm. Um, when you moved to New York City in 1965, it was this vibrant time for music, and, and genres were really pushing limits of their definition, and, and Dylan went electric at Newport. What are some of your most memorable performances by other musicians during that time that you experienced? Oh, man. The first night I got to New York, September 3rd, 1965, I went down to the Village Vanguard and the Charles Lloyd, Charles Lloyd Quartet, or Quintet, I can't remember, was playing, and uh, I had never heard anybody play music like that. In other words, you take all the records that I had, or all the records, all the jazz recordings that I'd listened to on the radio for, I don't know, from age 16 to 22, and then compare it to what I heard that first night. I think it was a Friday, September 3rd, 1965. It was, I, I didn't recognize one note that they played. Mm-hmm. Nice. And I th- thought to myself, this is the place to be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, certainly the village I'm, was the center. Yeah, I'm going to learn something if I stick around. Mm-hmm. Did you catch uh, have a chance to catch Jimmy during his uh, brief residency at Cafe Wa in 1966? I did not. Hmm. Before, right before he I went didn't to London. Even know, 
I didn't even know he was there. Mm. I didn't uh, become aware of Hendrix until 67 or 68 when Gary Burton and I were driving across the Golden Gate Bridge and they played Red House, mm. recording of Red House. And I said, who is that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just with, with those accents, who is that? <laughs> he was definitely, a, you know, that upon that first hearing, he was definitely a force with which to be reckoned. Mm-hmm. Certainly. Um, and you incorporate a, a wide range of musical language in your recordings and integrating blues, R&B, jazz, rock, Eastern, Spanish notions even. Um, are there any regions of interest that you have yet to explore? I'm not too crazy about polka music. <laughs> uh, but other than that, I, I usually like everything that's got quality, that's played with quality and where the, the instruments are being played by the kind of virtuosity that makes me respect it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In, uh, in 2010, you wrote an opera titled War and Peace based on Tolstoy's writing, um, and you had, right. a, had a world premiere performance in uh, 2014. Uh, why did you choose to compose an opera as your interpretation? Um, I just felt a need to, to, to communicate Tolstoy's message of that book, which is, uh, to put it simply, unconditional forgiveness. Mm-hmm. I, wanted, I wanted to use the human voice to, to, uh, to communicate that. But I made sure to make, to make plenty of passages in there where at least one guitar was playing uh, sometimes two, sometimes three. I wanted people to still identify with Larry Coriel, the guitarist, as mm-hmm. well as the composer. Mm-hmm. And it came out nice. But the new one, I wrote a new one called Anna Karenina, which will have its world premiere next May in Russia. Oh, in Russia also. Yeah. I am very lucky. Mm-hmm. I am so. You know how many people have have these big works that they've composed and they're just sitting there. The sheet right. music is just sitting there waiting right. for somebody to pick it up and perform it, but, but I'm just fortunate. Mm-hmm. I'm so lucky that uh, these people at this festival like me. They like me because of the work that I did with Paco de Lucia and John McLaughlin. Mm-hmm. And that's just my, my good fortune, Carol, mm-hmm. my good fortune. Is there um, any any thought of releasing a recording of it, or is it like just is it? Absolutely. Oh, great! Absolutely. I want you know I'm a jazz musician, but I want to do different stuff, different things, so people people will understand that jazz is not just about Dizzy Gillespie and Chick Corea and Herbie Hancock and Wes Montgomery, all of whom are big favorites of mine. I just. It was actually during that time in New York when I first got there, the, the older musicians that defend, befriended me and were mentoring me said, find your own voice, whatever it is. Find it, develop it, and keep it. It's yours. Don't ever stop. Mm-hmm. So that was the guidance I got way back when I was 22 years old. 
And thank goodness I, re- I remember that every day. Mm-hmm. If our listeners are just tuning in, I'd like to remind them that I'm uh, speaking with, let them know I'm speaking with Larry Coriel, and uh, you're listening to The Test of Time on KZSC Santa Cruz. Larry, before uh, Blood, Sweat, and Tears and the electric flag were genre-bending, there were the Free Spirits, um, who you recorded out of sight and sound in 1966. Three years ago, the band. Three years ago, the band reunited for the first annual Jim Pepper Festival. Can you tell us more about the reunion? Well, it was a happy occasion to see all my old friends and play with them again. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it was bittersweet because Jim Jim was not there. Mm-hmm. Jim and I, Jim Jim and I hung out in New York. We met. I can't remember. We just we met. You know, downtown. And somehow I was in the room with a with a guitar, and he had his saxophone, and he started teaching me uh, compositions by Coltrane and by Ornette Coleman, and I was I was really happy to learn all these tunes. Mm-hmm. And then he was now he was a player who had his own voice. He didn't sound like anybody else, and he really he, he never tried to approximate that which was acceptable in jazz. He wanted only to make music. Mm-hmm. He made music every time he picked up that horn. Mm-hmm. And you can hear that that album we did, it, I think of that as kind of a Jim Pepper record because his solos were uh, dominating throughout the record. Mm-hmm. We were also trying to, like, do a lot of vocals and do some folk rock and stuff like that. You know, we, we were all over the Mm-hmm. And you even you sang on that record. Did um, how many other did Jim sing on that record too? No, but when he did started doing his own Indian oriented jazz records, he sang and sang beautifully. Mm-hmm. He sang all these uh, Cree and Choctaw. I think it was Cree and Call chants. Un- unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was um, that was a fine record. And uh, I always appreciate it so much. Um, it must have been, yeah, really sweet to to play with all of them again. Had you had you played any of those songs in your own uh, in your own repertoire? <laughs> no, I had not. I I I went when that band broke up and I joined the Gary Burton Quartet. I thought I would never be playing that music again. Mm-hmm. What did I know? <laughs> I mean that that was a that was a great reunion. Uh huh. Yeah, I'm sorry I messed it especially, up in Portland. Well, we'll do it again, I'm sure. I mean, especially the way Bobby Moses has evolved, evolved as a drummer, mm-hmm. just amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then, so as I was browsing your website, uh, you know, I was really tickled to come across a photo of you and Yorma at um, the Furpiece Ranch. Um, did you also teach any workshops there as well as perform? Yes, I, I've taught there. I really enjoy it very much. Mm-hmm. And he's a great friend and a great guy. He's a, he's a survivor like I am. And he's, he's really giving back everything that was given to him by, mm-hmm. by music and show business. And he's just a really good guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I spoke with him really? last year when he came through, and he's a fantastic storyteller as well. Yeah, but, you know, the other day I was watching the credits on a movie, and I was 
somebody was playing guitar and singing, it was Yorma. Really? <laughs> Sounded fantastic. Uh. My wife looked at me and said, is that Bob Dylan? I said, I don't think so. <laughs> but, but, very, but good. Mm-hmm. But very good. It was Yorma. Really wow. good. Wow. Do you remember what movie it was? I do not. Mm. I'm sorry. In uh, 2011, you recorded uh, some funky tracks on your album with the Wide Hive Players. How did you connect with Gregory Howe and uh, Matt Montgomery and their small Berkeley-based label? Greg found me. He kept sending me emails about how he wanted me to record uh, a couple of tracks on a forthcoming Wide Hive Players record, so I did that. Mm Mm-hmm. So that way we established a connection, and then that worked so well that he said, "Let's just, let's just, let's just bring you out. I'll put you up in the Shattuck Hotel in Berkeley, mm-hmm. and we'll take about a week and go into Fantasy Studios and kick butt." Mm-hmm. And we did. That's that's you know, I get to do stuff with multiple horns, and I was very happy to be able to do that. Very mm-hmm. happy. Mm-hmm. Loved it. Yeah, some of some of the tracks have uh have you know reminis- reminiscent of um of like the stuff I hear on the Daptone label. It was um you know, it was really funky with a great bass line and um you know, it was it's I went on to kind of explore a little bit about uh about Gregory's work with Descent and his jazz funk and he mixes electronica and I mean, those guys are on top of it. Absolutely. And Greg, Greg Howe is a great guy. I love that guy. I love working with him. I love recording with him. Um, he's, he's fantastic. What's interesting is that when I go to Europe, I bring copies of some of the records and CDs I've made with Greg, and those people in Europe, they eat it up. They, they buy every one of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you did two other albums with them. Um, yeah. The Lift and Heavy Feel. It's a room for more, I take it. Actually, he's kind of cooling it for a minute, and I've gone with another record company. As a matter of fact, um, I reformed the 11th House Fusion Band, uh, I think last year or the year before last, and Savoy Jazz uh, made it possible possible for us to go into the studio, and I believe today is the release date. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. Um, It's today, but... um, I heard that they they'd pushed it back, so I was going to ask you if you had any idea when it when it had been pushed back to, because I know it was supposed oh, to be today. Oh, if they okay, if they oh, I remember this. Okay, I think they pushed it back to early next year when the band will be back on the road. Oh man, we have to wait till the we have to wait till the next year. Oh, I'll I'll see what I can do to make you. So you can get an advanced copy. Okay. Yeah, I know John John Lappin was um, working on that, but it was without any success. Um, cause well, I'm, let me pull some strings. Okay, because I'm anxious to uh, to to hear it. Um, I know you. Um, I know your earlier stuff when you uh, worked with them in the the studio in 1976, and um, how did it feel to? to reunite with those guys and record. Um, it's the first studio album, uh, Seven Secrets, since uh, 1976, right? Yes, and it felt fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, how, did, how did that come about? Uh, how did Savoy Records, you know, 
how did that get they instigated? Heard they heard us in New York, and they and they signed us. Mm. Wow. I mean, well, they made the they made the deal directly with me because I'm the band leader. But mm-hmm. I just you know, it's it's part you know it's part band leader band, but also part collective, because mm-hmm. everybody I encourage everybody to compose. Mm-hmm. Yeah, isn't that uh, it's kind of part of what Eleventh House means and. Uh, astrologically at the House of Friends. Can you talk a little bit about how that relates with the creative process for the band? Well, yeah, you said that's exactly what it is. Everyone in the chart has an 11 house, and that's the House of, house of Friends mm-hmm. and hopes and dreams and, uh, and aspirations. So everybody was really on their best creative level because of that aspect, mm-hmm. that 11th house aspect. Mm-hmm. And I, and I and think when we walked out of there, sorry, uh, Randy said, "Old geezers can still play." <laughs> <laughs> you guys aren't geezers. Uh, well, that's what he said. Uh, <laughs> well, you had your son uh, Julian was on um, keyboards. Doesn't he usually do um, second guitar with you guys? Well, he was playing the keyboard parts, but he was playing it on guitar with a lot of pedals. Oh, he's a real. He lives in L.A. He's a real California musician. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's done work his with Alanis Morissette. Are, his solos on that record are blistering. Mm-hmm. Yep, uh, I've heard a little bit. There's some cuts um, on your website um, for, uh, to to uh, preview, and I enjoyed that. And just <laughs> when it ended, each track ended, I was left with, oh man, wish I could hear the rest of it. That's fantastic. Well, we are going to get you the whole record. Oh, good. So so there's plans for you guys to tour. Um, you guys are going to get out on the road at the beginning of next year? Yeah, but it's, the way the music business has changed a lot, we, we, can't just, we can't just rub a magic. The tour materializes. We actually have to really work hard and... Make sure everybody everybody is available because, you know, Randy is a band leader in his own right. Alphonse is a band leader in his own right, and it has it has to be organized so that uh, everybody is available to play the whatever dates that will will get booked for us. Mm-hmm. But that's that's the plan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll probably so do booking tuned. interspersed. I am, and I hope you guys are going to make a trip to the Bay Area. We have well. to. Yeah. We okay. must. Because really, so much of the music that we play, for to me, this is just for me, is uh, inspired by the very progressive philosophies that we embraced when we, we would go to California in the 60s and 70s. Mm-hmm. California was always on the cutting edge. Yeah, and so was New York City, too. Yeah, there were two of the best places to, to go. Mm-hmm. And everything in between was nothing. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think is the is like the most um, uh, prominent decade of of music? Um, you know that was most prolific of recording, and maybe maybe within that, what's what's the most you see as the most prolific year um, for music in our generation? Well, that would be hard to quantify that, but I would say that when I moved to New York, like you said earlier, that was no like no other time in, in history in my life. 
everybody was, all the creative people were abuzz. They were buzzing with new ideas, new things, new aspirations. More and more different kind of people were coming onto the scene with, with different music. Mm-hmm. Everybody was listening to everybody else. I mean, uh, Leonard Bernstein was listening to Ornette Coleman. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so on and so forth. Everybody just, they liked what they liked. They liked what was good. I would say 65 to 75 is pretty good. Mm-hmm. 65 to 78. It kind of started petering, petering out between 75 and 78. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. I don't rem- Go ahead. Go ahead. I was no, just no. going gonna, gonna to say I love that. Um, that development of jazz rock fusion and how the rock uh, industry and guitarists were, you know, branching out and listening to the jazz and the the jazz musicians were starting to listen or incorporate rock and and they kind of, in a way, melt you know met in the middle but not exactly. I mean, you could you could tell that one was, you know, from the rock bass was uh, different than than the fusion from from the jazz bass. That's right. That's right, but the thing was, certain people, no matter how great they were as in talent, no matter how much talent they had, if you didn't, if you didn't get Hendrix, if you didn't get Cream, if you didn't get Spencer Davis Group, if you didn't get Procol Harum, um, you you just you would not have appreciated it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I remember going into recording studios by, quote, rock and roll, unquote, bands, and they were approaching the, their music like jazz or classical musicians. Mm-hmm. Because like, everyone like seemed to be aware that whatever they might end up on, you know, performing on this record, it might be helping people. Mm-hmm. It might be opening their eyes. It might be healing them. Mm-hmm. Artists were very conscientious. Hmm. Well, I remember when I worked in the record store um, back in in uh, like high school. I loved, you know, turning people on to new music, and and it wasn't really about selling a record. It was about turning people on to music, and I I loved that I had the opportunity to do that, and and hopefully touched you know some people along the way. And I'm and I'm thinking you know that feeling might just be just a minuscule amount of this of the feeling that the musicians were having as they were transcending you know the boundaries of uh, the genre that they were yeah. coming from well it's not really no it's not that so minuscule the the thought is the same thought you want to you want to reach out and touch people's hearts there's you, there's no you can't discriminate if, mm-hmm. whether we're doing it as a musician whether you were doing it in the record store it's the same sentiment, and I applaud that. Mm-hmm. Well, and we're doing it here on the test of time with you, having you on. Uh... Hey, man, you, you've got that beautiful station in that beautiful city. I can't wait to come and visit you guys, either just as a private citizen or maybe performing. I love that part of the world. Yeah. I love it. Well, we can't wait to see you, and if you pass through, it'd be great to uh, either have you on again or come up into the studio and uh, have you you know, perform a couple of cuts live on the air, it'd be fantastic. 
I'll bring my acoustic. Okay, great. Larry, it's been an honor speaking with you, and thank you so much for joining us on the Test of Time, and uh, we look forward to having Seven Secrets in our uh, in our air room soon. I haven't forgotten. Okay. Don't worry about a thing. I'll take care of you. Okay. Thank you. Great. Thank you, Larry. Bye-bye. You're welcome. All right, Larry Coriel, we were listening to the great, incredible jazz guitarist, Larry Coriel, and I hope to see him again and meet him, talk to him soon. Um, Really interesting guy, loved that interview with him. Um, Since we don't have any of the new 11th house in our uh, studio, I'm going to play something from their first album, Introducing the 11th house, this is uh, the jazz rock fusion cut. That's the joint. You're listening to the test of time right here on KZSE Santa Cruz. <laughs> 